Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, inventor of the phrase, eat, drink, get a buy against Berry, my friend and yours, Luke Gledall. How are you doing Hi, today? Rich. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I, I, I've um, I've spent a week in Scotland. I've, I've caught the accent and I've also caught a cold. So, uh, you know, these are the, if you put yourself out there, these are the sort of things that happen. I see. Um, I, I will drop that fairly quickly, but um, it did make me think of... <laughs> <laughs> Just be exhausting to keep it. We up can't up. be followed for our commitment on the podcast, can we? Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. But there was a there was a boy at school that just lied all the time, and he came back from a half term with a Scouse accent. So all of a sudden, he was like full on like this sort of accent, and everyone's like, "What <laughs> is going on with your accent? What accent? I don't have an accent. Maybe I spent some time with me gran from Liverpool, but that's all." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, then, excellent! Yeah, he spent the whole day talking like that, and then um, another time he came in from uh, from a summer holiday, and he discovered that he was supposedly part Spanish. Um, excellent, and, excellent. Um, and he uh, he put on all of his textbooks, Stefanos Antonios Boswellos. Um, <laughs> his, his name was Stephen Anthony Boswell, <laughs> but uh, obviously it's very Spanish if you put "os" on the end. And he he spoke, uh, course, yeah. he spoke like gibberish Spanish, like he'd get angry at the teacher with like a a, a raised um, oh, just ridiculous. What a those were the days, eh? Um, anyway, yeah. So you're you're well, Luke. I'm okay. Other than just had to uh, battle the sounds of someone doing the lawn and um, the, behind my apartments. And I think I've just heard, I don't know if the listeners can hear, but my had to kick the cat out of the room. I haven't literally kicked the cat, and he's having a bit of a yell session. <laughs> so if those things don't come through in the recording, then I'm a very happy chap. But uh, other than that, I'm all right, Rich. How are you? Good. Yeah, fingers, well, fingers crossed. I've got windows open here as well because uh, it's very warm. Uh, that's, it's not producing any sort of breeze, but... Um, We'll just we won't complain too much about the heat because it's cold and wet for long enough, isn't it? It is. It is, especially in uh, my my new country. Yes. Um, so, do we have anything from our uh, our network? We do. Ninety nine percent invisible. So, WTF host uh, Alman Abdi is having such roaring success with his show that he started another podcast, and he has so much time on his hands. Um, seeing as he's still a free agent. Um, so at 99% Invisible, Alman Abdi interviews other Sheffield Wednesday players who've had very, very slight careers, um, <laughs> including including that Cardiff player we signed from Cardiff who had played for 13 minutes, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> and that's the name of the first episode title. Um, so, yeah. So if, if you can't remember who that player is, then tune in to the inaugural episode of 99% Invisible, including Iral Darling, Armin Abdi. The, the interesting thing is, he, he well, um, I, I I always step on the toes of the, the shows you're previewing, but he doesn't actually know his name, does he? He calls himself that lad from Cardiff. He does, yes, he does. And Which that's, that's part of the joy. That's part of the joy of it, because then he'll, yeah. you know, it's a little bit like through the keyhole, we see their silhouettes, and we're not entirely sure who they are. And then you just slowly learn, because I, I don't think anyone can remember that player who played for 13 minutes for us that we signed <laughs> in the Brian Laws uh, from Cardiff. <laughs> 
I remember he's some more clues, but I, I I don't want to step too much on the you know the toes of this podcast. No, he, he was uh, Northern Irish. Uh-huh. But anyway, for t- if you'll have to learn more, you'll have to either um, develop some brilliant elephant-like memory for mediocre Sheffield Wednesday moments, um, or listen to the episode. Well, I adv- I'd advise people to, to listen to the episode, to subscribe. Um, I, I think, really, it's such a kite mark of quality being on the Year Out Network that uh, you can pretty much subscribe to any podcast. You're going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and say it. Um, so that leads us beautifully into... Breaking hoo-hoos. Breaking hoo-hoos for this week. A uh, bit, bit more of a slight week this time. This, uh, this week in terms of news, um, but two, yeah, two, a couple two, of two, couple uh, of loan departures. Mm. Um, we we spoke about Matt Penny on the podcast previously as as a left back option uh, over time, but he's uh, he's joined the mustachioed Dutch Dutchman himself, Jos Luhu Hukai at Saint Pauli. So he's going to be doing his uh, his left wing work over there in Bundesliga Zwei. Yeah, which is incredibly, incredibly interesting, and um, interesting that you know Yoss was such a big fan of him that he wants to take him on to his next adventure and for the rest of the season, which um, we'll see out his uh, Sheffield Wednesday contract as it stands from Matt Penny. So interesting one. I didn't see. I saw there was a reference, but I was a little bit lazy and uh, delayed and busy with a few other things. I saw that Lee Bullen made a comment. Or was interviewed about the future of Matt Penny. Yes. But I'm not entirely sure. Do you recall what he said, Rich? He said we're considering him part of the future of the football club. So whatever that means. Right. So I feel that there's someone who we'd probably keep an eye on his progress and then potentially give a new deal to if it looks good. Yeah. I mean, this is how the loan market is supposed to work. We can't take a risk on him. Um, This lets him go make his mistakes somewhere else and hopefully come if he comes back to us he comes back as a a more rounded player yeah i think the thing that i'm just um a little bit behind with in terms of kind of our practice as a football club still um and this nature of ffp and i i don't know we seem very reactionary to the futures of players Mm. like there's no great tactics it's not like hey we think you're a fantastic future player sign this whopping great two three year contracts spend the first year on loan, you know, at X club and we will look at your progress. Like this is the rest of his contracts. His route was pretty strange anyway, wasn't it? Because he had a couple of good games. Then it looked like he was kind of going down the George Hurst route of, Mm. I've got a little modicum of a name now and I'm going to see where this takes me. Um, That might be Sheffield Wednesday, but it might not be. It might be somewhere else. And then I think you know eventually he did get signed up, but then he fell out of the first team picture. He had a he had an injury, was it a shoulder injury? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think since since that injury, it's really been a question of where he actually stands in terms of the squad. Because I think before the contract negotiations, you would have said, well, this guy is borderline first team. He was that's the way he was looking. Mm. And then the dispute seems to have derailed things, derailed his momentum pretty much entirely. Add the injury to it, it's it's like it all kind of came to a halt. Um, and it is it is hard to see where he stands in things now. As you say, it's not it's not a usual thing to um, 
to send someone out on loan for the entirety of the the remainder of their contract. That's not a normal thing to do. But it might be that it's two years with a year extra. Who knows? It could be because well, I think the deal we signed with him was like eighteen months because it was um, he was out of contract. You know, last well. Yeah, last summer he would have been because it was yeah. like January time, wasn't it? That all this stuff was going on. And um, well, no, actually, I guess it was like October, November that he had some decent performances. Yeah, it was under the time of Yoss, and uh, yeah, and there was a lot of agent talk and you know b- uh, potential newsprint batting her eyelashes at, at new clubs and new futures. Aston Villa seems to apparently being interested, which seemingly was against you know him having an absolute storm against Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. And um was it the game um was he fantastic in the game? Was it the one that Sean Clare was also fantastic in? The one where we lost was it four four two? He was good in that one, but I think his his kind of coming out performance was maybe the maybe the away leg against them. But I might I might be muddling things up. Yeah, there's such a, a and you know as as covered in ninety nine percent invisible, there's such a there's such a blinding corridor of mediocrity, which you forget, as supporting Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> even even fans as passionate as ourselves, Rich, the stuff that just completely completely forgets us. Um, I still can't remember. I think it was Times. You remember when we signed Say Oli Finjana? Oh yes. And I remember Steve Howard. Um, and I remember there was also was there also some kind of left back, left midfield player we got from Leeds. <laughs> on a short-term contract, and he was okay. He was good. We got enough mileage out of him, but then it was like, he's, he's too old, he's going, and I cannot for the life of me remember his name. Ooh. So that's the point I'm trying to make. There's just some, there's oh, some, yeah. real, there's some real chaff. There's some real terrible stuff in, in recent history. Do you think um, that's... Uh, is that just we have sort of risen above it, or... Do you think it's just stopped? Because the, the, it doesn't feel like those random loans happen quite so much. Yeah, I guess there's probably less random loans these days, I think. I, yeah, I see the point you're getting at. It's an interesting... We seem to bounce from one to another. So I think I think the sort of great game uh, that Penny had... Sorry, just to come back to it. Um, so we won 2-1 at Villa, and he, I think he played the, the whole game, maybe... And that wasn't the one where me and you saw it in New York with the New York Owls. Yeah, that one. That one, the one with uh, where we missed the Adam Reach early goal. Yes, yes. We were thinking, yes. yeah, it'll be all right. We'll be like three or four minutes late. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> and then um, Flashcore told us otherwise. They did. They absolutely did. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I remember, it was, yeah, that was a great performance. And Jordan Rhodes scored <laughs> as well, the second. Yeah, a, rare, a real rare occurrence. And it was a good goal as well. It was. Obviously overshadowed by the the uh, the, the thunderbolt smashed in, yes. smashed in on a you know just a casual 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 way by Mister Adam Reach. Oh, that's how he does it. Um, so just looking at the eighteen nineteen season, so um, Penny played. It looks like he was almost ever present till the end of November. So he played mm. seventeen times for us. Uh, between the start of the season and uh, and the end of November, and I, I don't think he he's he's and we 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 won we lost one of the the last two games. We drew nil nil with the with the United. Uh, we lost to Derby and we beat Bolton at home one nil in his last game. Um, was that the one that the, my last game I was there present for? That was the one after we sacked. Um, was that one after oh. we sacked Yoss? 
could well be could have so that was maybe Bullen uh, Bullen's, in Bullen's first game in charge of, of, of his second he's done three uh, caretaker spells correct this is his third caretaker spell yes or again am I just making it up because it's uh, you know this hugely mediocre period of Sheffield Wednesday history yes 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 so that was yeah the first game of the second one and I remember coming back and thinking nothing will happen I was back for Christmas and then Wednesday is like oh Chance series finally pulled the trigger and fired fired Lukai and uh yeah we managed to see see a Wednesday win yeah which was a real um a treat for you and uh, a bit of a rare occurrence a bit of a rare occurrence in the season for yourself yeah yeah <coughs> um so, but as far as I remember, it was the contract dispute then that meant he dropped out of the team rather than an injury at that point. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, I think the whole thing with Matt Penny. So we we were finding the wing backs, weren't we? Under under Yoss, Yoss yeah. really enjoyed his wing backs. Which so Matt Penny was very good in the left wing back berth. He was very good there. Um, probably less said about Liam Palmer. In the right wing back berth, he, he really wasn't very good in that aspect. No. Which, you know, he's been a hell of a lot better as a right back in a flat kind of back four. And then there was obviously Ashley Baker as well. Who yes. Was okay. He was okay. He didn't, uh, yeah. didn't pull any trees, didn't wow at all, but he was okay. He was okay. So I, he was really good in that. Then I think, I think it was a lot of experimentation with formations. And I think at one point they pushed Penny further up the pitch, which I think is. He started out, he was a winger. So I think it was technically should be more within his kind of wheelhouse, but he wasn't that good as that, as opposed to when he was like the left wing back. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't quite know where he sits really in the pecking order. Um, And then we've got Jack Stobbs, who's gone out on loan to uh, Livy, Livingston. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and on his debut, he um, he just thunder twatted a rocket straight into the top pokey. And so I was wondering, Rich, whether you could try and get back a little bit of that uh, cold Scottish brogue that you had, and you can just uh, repeat that for our listeners and myself. What, what exact phrase would you like? <laughs> the fact he thunder twatted a rocket straight into the top pokey. Oh, he absolutely thunder twatted a rocket straight into the top pokey. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Thank you very much, Mr. Stobbs. <laughs> yeah. You're, so, very Jim, you're very Jim White in your brogue, aren't you, Rich? <laughs> I've got, all, I've got so, all sorts of variations, you know. It moves around. Can you do it as, like as Ken Bruce? <laughs> oh, just just uh, laughing oh, at self because every, everything I say is a wee bit funny. <laughs> Ken Bruce. <laughs> He's on the twat of the rocket straight it's into the absolutely. top. Absolutely, <laughs> he's he's wanged it into the top bin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say he's he's never quite shone in a Wednesday shirt. No, he's very much the uh, the Rocky Lacage of his time. Oh, you know, a yeah. flat track a flat track bully in the youth team and reserves, but. Um, you know, not making the step up into the first team picture. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is definitely one of those. Um, this is more Matt Penny's more of like we still we still think he could be someone who still could have a future at Sheffield Wednesday. This is more for Jack Stubb, more like just you know go go make some waves and and hopefully go make some waves and get, and get, get, yourself, get yourself a contract somewhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, 
Well, he's only there till January, so uh, I suppose time will tell on that one. But a very good start for him. This is good, though. This is the type of... Um, this is the thing I think we want to see a lot as fans. We want to see a lot of youth team going out on loans. I hear a lot about how... Um, a lot of a lot of players are kind of limited by sometimes the money that we ask, even you know at a championship level club. So right. apparently, it actually deter a lot more kind of players going on loan than we kind of hope. Uh, I suppose, but it, I think everyone's sort of playing that game that the bullying kind of gets passed down, doesn't it? Because Premier League teams are certainly very good at forcing teams to play their players, and I think. Mm. That, that means that when we send players out on loan, we probably tend to use the same sort of tactics on them, I would think. Um, well, obviously, there's different grades of player, but uh, it's it's hard. It's hard to say from the outside looking in, but I, I know um, their clubs are sort of... They're not allowed to put penalties on players not playing, but they do sort of enforce penalties on players not playing because you pay different grades of wages quite often, depending on... If they start, if they play from the bench, or if they don't play, you pl- you pay different percentages of their wages normally. Uh, I know when Palmer was at Tramia, um, and that was a long time ago now. So, uh, but this still seems to be a pretty standard practice. But Tramia paid half his wages if he played, and his full wages if he didn't. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I know Ryan Kent had a similar deal. When he was, he's been on loan a few times. Liverpool are sort of notorious for basically, if you take a Liverpool player, um, you better play them, otherwise you're getting you're you're paying the full weight of their fairly lofty. Yeah. It does make me wonder about Murphy, to be honest. Um, not to sort of point things. Well, that that could be there could well be something in that when we get into uh, summarising the uh, the game that happened yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess that's it for breaking hoo-hoos. Breaking um, hoo-hoos. Neither of us uh, uh, were able to follow the Luton win particularly closely, um, unfortunately. I was listening a little bit Okay. at the time. I didn't want to, you know, I was, I was busy um, busy with my, my day job. So um, it, it didn't sound, the things that I heard afterwards, you know, it was a very kind of, uninspiring performance worse in the first than it was in the second but it's still three points absolutely and three points that took us as of as of 10 p.m on tuesday night uh top of the pops yes yeah and it's is it two wins from two at home as well i think it is which is not to be sniffed at at all mm-hmm um I, I i sort of i um uh, i cast an eye over the uh over the highlights mm-hmm. uh, it, it looked like both teams were sort of doing the the high intensity pressing that seems to be um the tactic du jour um because their best chance was pushing westwood into a poor clearance and him having to sort of race back and flick it over the top of his previously open goal and uh, and obviously our goal came from murphy pressing the the uh, straight from the throw throughout that the keeper did um and then putting a pretty good cross in for fletcher and uh harris uh, nudging it home with his uh, his gentleman's agreement <laughs> uh. <laughs> it was quite sweet to hear uh <laughs> John Pearson on the commentary going, he's, um, oh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's put it in with, uh, he's, um, <laughs> I think he's, uh, <laughs> I think he meant that. <laughs> like very um, coy around the fact that um, 
just looks like he sort of yeah nudged, nudged it home with his personal pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and Kadeem Harris just gets better and better as a player, really. Yes, just amazing uh, amount of energy and uh, and strength. Yeah, very impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Um. So, without further ado then, should we get on to yesterday's game? Indeed, and um, I believe, Rich, you had the pleasure of being there yourself. I was in attendance. A gorgeous, mm. warm day. It was a you know, good day for football, but it was it was hot. Um, and I, I think we were a bit less intense with our pressing as a, as a result of that, which is sensible, because there was definitely one of those days where you could easily have worn yourself out and been sort of gasping for the last 10, 15 minutes. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. Um, I don't think I've got particularly good luck going to, to Deepdale. I've been a, a few times and I don't think I've seen us win. So maybe I'm a, well, bit, we, of a bit of a joke. We haven't, we haven't won there since 2011, I think. Okay. So it's not just me. No, I've also been there. And did I, did I, did, did I see us win there? Did we see us win there? Was that like? Not sure. I just remember, I've been there twice when Forestieri's been sent off. That's pretty funny. Which yeah. is why I think he has a bit of an, a bit of a um, bit of a reputation amongst yes. the Preston fans. Um, so you were on a an I follow brief then. I was. I was watching. Was watching from my bed. My usual eight a.m. kickoff. Very good. As I had up on on my tablet, I had Dazoon, which is. A online sports network we have here in Canada. They, um, for the first time this season, they have um, the rights. So, for the first time in history, they have the rights to all of the uh, Premier League games. Oh! So, I also had on the background um, Sheffield United losing to Leicester, which was quite fun. Jamie Vardy celebrating in front of the cop. Indeed, him just absolutely lashing one into the roof of the nets. And then giving it the uh, the big one. Yeah, good man, <laughs> good man. Uh, yeah, no, I loved I loved uh, seeing the pictures of him celebrating because it's just what we would all want to be doing in that situation. Exactly, because they would have been giving him stick all game. Yep, yep. Um, so <clears throat> we, I think we we sort of exchanged um, WhatsApp messages at, at half time and. We were we were on different pages in terms of how well we thought the first half had gone. Um, I, I thought we just never looked like we got to grips with Preston at all, and 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 um, <clears throat> I thought we were pretty poor. Um, but you 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 thought you you were slightly more positive than that. I don't know. I mean, just as a kind of overall recap, I mean there are games that we will lose. There are games that we will lose. Um, yes. There are teams who will come up again. It will be very difficult. Preston are a... They're a very well-drilled side. Yeah, I think the main thing, not to get too sort of um, deep tactically, but they're... We were playing broadly similar systems. Um, yeah. But they they allowed themselves to really... They dragged numbers from the, from the wide positions to try and overwhelm us in the middle... And I think that was the kind of the story of most of the game was that they just were able to able to kind of outpower us and outmaneuver us in the middle. And even though we we kept we, we obviously a big strength is our is our pace out wide now, and we were focused on trying to keep those players out there. But it meant 
at times it was five or six against our three in the middle because we were trying to keep our two wingers out on the wings. And I, mm. I suppose there's a there's a there's a worry if you know if we're not as good at it, we could take away from our own strengths um, at the same time as still losing out. You know, we could we could could have pulled those players in to try and sort of fight the battle in the middle and still lost out because we're not used to doing it and it's what they do. Um, but I also I'm not I don't know how sold I am on that particular three in the middle. Uh, particularly away from home. I think Bannon and Hutch all too often bring the worst out of each other. Um, we did. We have spoken about this previously, and apologies if it's a bit of a broken record, but they both fight to be the deep-lying guy picking out passes, and it means we've got so little, actually, in terms of forward pressure and momentum. Um, and I don't know... I don't know whether Bannon's too strong of a personality or a voice that he can't be told to play a different role. But obviously the natural person for that role is Hutchinson. He's got the defending aspects to his game. He's obviously taller. So in terms of just being a shield for the defenders, that's where if he's playing, that's where he should play. But Bannon likes sitting in that hole as well. So they end up fighting each other for that sort for sort of primacy in that in that position. And it I think it hurts the whole shape of the team um it tends to mean to be honest that bannon goes missing a lot or plays a lot of pointless passes that that sort of bog down the play mm. uh, and i also thought particular I, i'm a little bit worried at the moment that lee is starting to look a bit of a luxury player um we've all been really pleased at him coming back and i think when we're absolutely sort of humming he's going to be a guy that's as we talked about that honey to the soup, he's going to be a guy that, that that joins all those pieces together in a way that's even more effective. But in a game like yesterday, which was more like sort of trench warfare in the middle, I just don't know what Kieran Lee's bringing to it. Because mm. he's kind of everywhere and nowhere. And Baby. Yes, exactly. I was very conscious of saying that. Um, but, you know, he does pop up all over the place, but that also means you can't depend on him to be in any one particular place. Um, and That's it just, where he's at, Rich. What's that, sorry? That's where he's at. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and it just felt like we were going down this bumpy hillside, and then I'm like, where's my bumpy hat? <laughs> where's my bumpy hippie hat, you know, on, a day, on this day of all days? <laughs> Excellent, 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 excellent. That was so good that, like, I, you completely uh, hoodwinked me that I didn't think that's what you were doing. And I was like, Rich, you're making another reference to the. So, yeah. Wow. I'm. Um, it's about 10.50 a.m. here, um, Mountain Standard Time, and I'm still not really awake. So, there we go. Uh, it's nearly six o'clock here, and I'm not really awake. So, it's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I. D- I- I think you end up with Bannon and Lee both fighting, sort of running around the pitch trying to find a space where they work rather than playing a, a role and doing a job, which we touched on. Reach has actually done a pretty good... I think Reach knows what he's doing in that position and he's a, he's more tactically disciplined than either of those two and, and just kind of gets on with the job he's there to do. Um, so I don't... That that just felt like a, a bit of a problem in general. And it it's also for me a bit of a worry going forward that this that feels like it's but it's Bullen's favourite three. And 
I I I think more often than not, it's not going to be the best three for us. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I guess that's an interesting thing. So I <coughs> excuse me. Um, going into this game, I mean, this isn't something that I want to do like every week. No, and I'm very sympathetic that we have we have a very big lineup. We sorry, have a very big squad. We've got a lot of professional football players at this club, and that's. To a similar degree, that's, that's how it should be. When everyone's fit, it's it's very difficult. It almost gets a little bit easier sometimes when you get players who are injured because that yes. helps you make decisions that you don't really want to make. Yeah. And um, so when I was looking at the lineup, there was it was just a little tink of surprise. Um, I think as everyone I think has listened to the show knows that Rich and I are very very big fans of uh, Greasy Bob, Greasy, uh, Bob. Greasy Bob himself, Adam Breach. So to see him on the bench, I was a little bit like, yeah, that's not the... I would have rather kept the middle three the same yeah. and maybe dropped Murphy to the bench and brought Reach in. Or maybe you maybe look to sacrifice one of Lee, Bannon, Hutchinson for Reach, which is a really, really difficult situation to make. I would have much rather have replaced Murphy with Reach, to be honest. But then I suppose Murphy... Had second half against Luton looked like he had one of his better periods for us, and and obviously I think so. Yeah, set, set up the goal. Um, had a header that he probably should have scored as well. So uh, it's it is hard. These are difficult decisions to make. I think I would have wanted Reach on the pitch one because he's Reach, but also the fact he's got a history with Preston. More often than not, players kind of play a little bit better in that scenario. They want to show people what they're missing. Um, he got his first goal for us against Preston Reach, um, and I think he tends to do pretty well against them. Uh, well, certainly, it doesn't always work that way. Um, I remember Gary Medine being particularly bad against Carlisle every time we played them. Um, but Reach seems to perform that little bit. You know, there's that two or three percent more when he plays against Preston for whatever reason. You know, everyone's got an ego. Everyone's got a you know, have contacts at the club or whatever that they just want to make sure they put in a good performance against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he came on, he absolutely showed why he should have been on the pitch because exactly. that, that exactly. cross, there's nobody else in the team can pl- play across like Adam Reach played for our goal. Not one. Um, I completely agree. And um, the flip side of that was I was looking at the bench and I'm like, on on paper, that's, that's an impeccably talented bench. Very, yes. So all this probably... Adds a little bit of honey to the soup of disappointments that I had for this game because it's. Uh, so the thing I was going to say was, look, we're going to lose games, but and often I think the only thing we can really attribute um, as fans is what we see in front of us in the performance. Yeah, and it it wasn't it wasn't terrible yesterday. No, it, no, I, I I will say I agree with you. Preston look a good team. They look well drilled. They know what they're about. Um, they they play off Stockley and everything's kind of built around him as a kind of centerpiece in a, in a similar way to how we build around Fletcher. I mean, he's he's really a a, a big part of how we come forward. Um, but so the big moments really though were annoyingly self inflicted. So um, mm. Lee's and and Stockley were wrestling, which meant the ball just sort of bounced right over the top of them. Um, Odebajo out of position, so so couldn't clear it before it bounced in front of him and that meant he was wrestling with his man in the box and of course his man fell over 
and uh, and they got a penalty. That was it. Was just um, really upsetting to see because I don't think there was any need to give anything in that situation. No, like I we've said, Preston are a good team, but they're not. They're not the second coming of Barcelona. You know, like I'm not going to do an Alan Irvin and make them seem to be you know giant world beaters. I don't think there was anything he could really do the Preston player on that angle in that position. That really would have made me think I need to bundle this guy over. But both of both of the penalties were entirely needless. I, I completely agree. Yeah, the, the the tackle that he made for the second penalty was he was on the wrong side. It was reckless, and there was like three men between the Preston player and the goal. It, it was absolutely needless, particularly in the box. I mean, I can kind of understand a bit of the thinking if that was outside of the box. Well, let's just stop him now. But I I think we struggled there. there I've I've sort of um, I've made a joke uh, over the years that no matter who the managers are at the club, no matter who the players are, we are terrible at throw-ins. We very very rarely get anything good out of our <laughs> own throw-ins, and we're really bad at defending them as well. Um, so I I do wonder if there's a bit. Um, sort of what famously happened with the uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer when uh, when la- new Labour left government and uh, and passed on the files to uh, to the Tories, they they put a note saying something along the lines of you know um, all the money's gone, sorry. And I do wonder if when you become manager of Sheffield Wednesday, you get given the 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 plan for throw-ins, and it's. You know, when we have the ball, everybody plays hide and seek. If you can see a Sheffield Wednesday shirt, you've lost the game of throw-ins. Um, and then defending-wise, it's the opposite. We just let them do whatever they like. And Preston two or three times with the ingenious trick of throwing it slightly past the first man um, to a second player who was left entirely unmarked. They had several chances out of that. And the the the, the last one being when Barry Bannon just sort of stood and watched the ball arrive with his man, let him turn around in the box and play a pass. And then Odebajo overreacted and, and threw himself at that player. But it, yeah. all these things are sort of knock-on consequences. And it, it was just frustrating. I, I do think we look a little bit naive at times. I think we're sort of harried, harrying chasing the ball, but we almost look sort of freaked out every time somebody does something slightly out of the ordinary. So like that with the throw-ins, we create a circle around the throw-in taker, but sort of neglect to to, to mark anybody beyond that immediate circle. Uh, just a bit, it's just a bit frustrating. Um, so we were 2-0 we're down in the hole. They scored both their penalties. The first one, probably Westwood should have done a bit better with, but penalties are hard. <laughs> I thought he was unfortunate in that regard. You know, it was... Um, and this is this is the thing, the weird thing for the game, is like, we're disappointed we've lost. Yeah. Because we've given them a head start from two penalties that were impeccably needless. Yeah. And then, the, the, wow, I mean, you know, I, I mean, it's probably rare in football that you have a player who concedes two penalties. Yes. But to come back at the second by the cherry and think, you know, to just look like a man who hadn't learned anything from the first experience, that was the same game, is astonishing. That, But then you sort of think, well, what sort of coaching is he getting? It's the same player he's up against. They were, They clearly targeted that side, like a lot of their... Um, forward traffic 
went down that flank and and in particular their high balls were all between Lee's and and Joe. Um so I I remember um playing Norwich when when Huckabee was still a kind of tricky winger and and probably on his day one of the better players in the championship Darren Huckabee and I remember seeing this is under um Paul Sturrock. I remember Frankie Simek having just constant headaches with Huckabee. He basically had him, every time he ran at him in the first half, he, he had him on toast. And then the second half, it was obvious he'd been given some instruction. to, And effectively, it wasn't like incredible, you know, brilliant uh insight but it was effectively standing slightly further away so you let him get his step over and then you kind of then you're in the position to take what what comes after that if you're too close you're too you're too easily swayed with like the movement of his body or the movement of his feet Uh so standing that little bit further away and second half Semek absolutely owned Huckabee and that's an example of coaching that can happen at the time but I do. I wonder about the quality of coaching that's happening, particularly in, in defence, because Stockley is another League One striker, and he did whatever he wanted today against Tom Lees. If he wanted to chest it down, he was allowed to chest it down. If he wanted to head it, he was allowed to head it. And it's clear, like that's such an obvious. If you've got that big striker, just put him next to Tom Lees and drown him with the ball because things are going to happen. Why? But there's ways around it. <laughs> not every cent. In fact, a lot of centre-backs are not six foot plus monsters. Some of them are quite short. So there's ways to deal with a taller player. There's ways to defend against them. But if we don't have the coaching staff to, to give those insights, it's not going to happen, is it? Tom Lees is not going to suddenly know how to defend himself. Odebadjo is not going to suddenly know how to be a better fullback at half time you don't learn a lesson in half an hour unless you're taught a lesson mm. but then i i know that that's uh very much in the nature of you know we do seem very slim on coaching right mm. now with bullen taking over and then the fact that you know steve a steve b and steve c have all left the club yeah so effectively we've asked i think it's neil thompson to kind of step up from the academy i guess he's probably doing both um or maybe someone else at so the academy level stepping up in place of, you know, whether it's just a just a pyramid effect, um, you know, a knock-on effect of people kind of stepping up in positions. But, yeah, we, I, I, I agree with you, and that could be a situation which um, could be something that uh, I think I've heard some noise from within the club that they are looking to um, address some of the coaching issues. And, I mean, and if we're looking towards... I mean, we, we can get on to this later, but if we're looking towards whether Bullen's going to be the man. Mm. I uh, So, uh, just to kind of run through, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if this came across on iFollow, but this was certainly a referee that um, if he was made of chocolate, he would have eaten himself. He absolutely <laughs> loved himself. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> Every every sort of gesture was the most dramatic version of it possible. I mean, at one point he gave, he gave a sort of Hamlet esque performance just to give a goal kick. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, if anybody was going to give two penalties in the game, he was going to be the guy. Um, (laughs) I thought Fox did well in in a, in a tricky sort of game for us. I thought Fox was probably the best member of the defensive five, Um, particularly 
he particularly th- looked good at the left side of a, of a three at the at the back, which we switched to late on. And he he played the pass in for reach that uh, resulted in the the cross for the goal too. I think um, that's the thing, though, isn't it? So we, we seem to have a a big history Wednesday of left backs who were previously centre backs. And I think that's the case with Morgan Fox. I think he, he did start out as a centre-back. Mm. So he has a bit of that centre-back leaning to a degree. So <laughs> not not damning and not to the point where I don't think it's, um, you know, means he's a terrible left-back. But I think it's just something to kind of keep in mind that he is someone who can do a little bit of that, not to, you know, to a fair degree. Yeah. So last week we really sort of gave... Uh, Bullen and his assorted coaches uh, are going over for the substitutions that they made. Um, what what did you make of the subs today? Um, the subs were I don't know. So what what did we? So Forestieri came on at half time. Yes. Well, obviously, I was texting you over WhatsApp and we were chatting about this, and I said, "Do you think it's?" I di- I didn't think because that was the interest, and you know, just to kind of go back to this quickly, if if for giving away two goals and penalties needlessly so horrendously needlessly then let's be honest we we were fairly even with preston uh yes Uh, fairly even i think preston did dictate the pace of the game more than we did but then i think in the first half we had a lot more chances than preston did we didn't have any shots no but i think we we were a bit more active in the final third than preston were like can you remember any great chances that preston had outside of um two chances from the spot um, not particularly. I thought both teams looked suspect from set pieces, <coughs> but that didn't really produce anything. So, um, no, I, I mean, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a thrilling game. It was well contested, but it was, a, it was a midfield contest rather than a, an end to end contest. Yeah. I, just, I think that's impeccably fair. So yeah, we really, the only real chance I can remember was Fletcher's spoffed effort when there was a really nice move where Bannon, uh, played the ball in behind for Harris to uh, to cross. Yes. And Fletcher somehow, I don't know what he was trying to do. It was like he was trying to sort of let it go through his legs, then back heel it rather than just shoot, which is very Stephen Fletcher. Um, and he, he ended up just sort of taking all of the fizz out of it and just letting it bobble to the goalkeeper stood behind him. Um, but that, to be honest, that's the only chance I can remember first half for us. Um Mm. Anyway, so Murphy went off at halftime for Forestieri. I had to go back and look at the... Murphy was a man who had a bit more of a quieter, one of his softer games. He, I think that's a nice way of saying he did absolutely nothing. He had no, he had I, no, he had yeah. no effect on the game. Neither did Kieran Lee and neither did, apart from that one moment, Barry Bannon. I think we were carrying a lot of players yesterday, which is why I think we needed a change at halftime. I don't, I don't think I would have put Forestieri on, but that's, that's yeah. I was surprised how long actually, because I thought, oh, we put Forestieri on, and then um, I was sort of talking on the way back to the car after the match yesterday. I was saying, you know, it's not really fair because we didn't get to see even if that worked because we were pretty much straight away we gave away the penalty. But actually, I was quite surprised to find that that was. It was 65 minutes before the penalty. So we had 20 minutes and he didn't really have any impact in that 20 minutes. Well, what was the hilarious thing was I watched the game and, um, you know, I was going to comment that that was a wasn't a very spirited start to the second half at all. No, 
I guess it wasn't really the we've had a talking to. We've been, you know, we probably, if you asked us about it, if you asked us directly as players, we would probably answer and tell you that that wasn't good enough. But now also we know it's not good enough because we've had a rather stern talking to in yes. the dressing room. And I don't know. I don't know what level of... <clears throat> it wasn't that bad that it wasn't quite the stern talking to in the dressing room. But we needed some. We needed to pick it up because we're a goal down. And... I think it was more that we just didn't ever... It never felt like it was our game. So it, it felt like... We didn't play badly, but we we weren't playing our our game at all. We didn't have our we very had very few moments that you describe as us doing what we wanted to do. So although although it wasn't a a, lo- a particularly a losing performance, it was also we were just dancing to Preston's tune and we were doing it fairly well. But at no stage were we, were we the ones making things happen. Um, so I, that's why I thought we did need a, a change. Um, my change probably would have been something to sort of solidify us in in midfield. Um, but I can see why an attacking change was made as well. And it does it does feel like subs come from a fairly simplistic place at this point in time, which is oh, what do we need a goal? What do we put? What do we put on for a goal? Yeah, yeah. Rather than being fitting into a different game plan, it's just. Oh, that's who scores goals. Forestieri scores goals. Rather than a great thought of like, well, this is how we're going to fit set up now, and this is how Forestieri is going to fit in. Because effectively, that to be fair to again to Odebacher, in in general play, he had quite a lot to do because that change for Forestieri meant that he had no support whatsoever. Because Kieran Lee does not play on the right wing when he's playing right wing. He plays in the middle. He plays where Kieran Lee plays. Which, um, as we've previously described, is uh, everywhere and nowhere. Um, so he had no support defensively, um, and it just again, it was like it's whether that there's that thinking happened. And it, and my my one question coming out of the game was: add all the games together, and actually, Bullen's b- had been manager of Sheffield Wednesday for a reasonable number of games now uh-huh. across uh-huh. his three spells. Has uh-huh. he ever? Have we ever got a point from a losing position? Have we ever won a game from a losing position? And I checked. No, we have not. Mm. We lost two leads late on um, in his last spell. So Birmingham and uh, West Brom, we were 1-0 up from early on and then seeded mm. late on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we've never gained a point from a losing position when he's been manager. <laughs> and that is where it starts to get to... That's what you talk about with experience, isn't it? Because until he's done that, it, it's starting to feel like he doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. And I don't know. Should... Sorry, go on. The funny thing was, again, I think I was going to get onto this and then got uh, went into one of my Harry Harry Maguire turning circles again. <laughs> I, I'd get into. Um, so I was watching the highlights back last night. They came up, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I'll just watch these just to reacquaint myself with what I watched earlier on the day. And it's suddenly like it seemed to... You know, there was a goal, and it felt like, even though I was kind of half paying attention, it felt like it jumped ahead to, like, 63 minutes. Mm. And I yeah. was like, wow. So there wasn't really anything no, nothing from the second happened. half until about 63, when it was a sustained element of Preston pressure, which then kind of resulted in Adebayo hauling down yeah. on that man in the box. Yeah, he did it properly the second time. He really went for it, yeah. I mean, you can't really like the the, uh, the man's conviction for <laughs> absolutely scything down one of their players yeah. in our penalty area. Yes. Um, 
so we we our response to that was to get reach on yeah which I'm, and then you know because i'm now looking back at this and you're kind of in the midst of things i feel like i'm kind of in the midst of things and then there's the the sheer level of anger about the fact of Otabajo has conceded two very needless penalties in one game. Yeah. You know, really converted. Um, we're really, he's really being a defensive playmaker, as we talk about on the podcast. Yes. So we haul him off again. So it's this pattern which we've seen from last week, which is, you know, <laughs> our review of the, um, the sheer insanity at the den against Millwall, where we seem to sacrifice defensive players for attacking players because the mentality is we just need to attack more. We just need more players on the pitch to attack with. Yeah, yeah. And Reach should have been, I mean, as far as I am concerned, Reach should have started. And, you know, I probably, if he would have been a halftime, if I thought he would have been a halftime sub, I would have put him on instead of Forestieri. Yes, that would have been mine one as well. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, in fairly short order, Ati Nuyu came on. He did both Rhodes and Nuyu were sent to warm up together. And um, uh, I'm not too proud to say, to admit that um, our conversation was, if he brings Rhodes on, we're going to leave. Because <laughs> it just felt like this is, this is a repeat of last week. It's going to be the same stupid mistakes. Um, but thankfully, it was Nuyu who came on, and he hadn't instant impact he looked so, yeah that's the that's the guy that's the guy i like i like that Atty new year we seem to get these and he also had a very um telling cameo against uh away at preston last season i think we i think we lost against preston 3-2 last season away at deepdale might be right. i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up while we chat further okay. but anyway i remember him kind of coming on and just having an absolute barnstormer uh, he scored an assisted one last season, I believe. Yes, yeah. And, yeah, just looked all the, you know, yeah, looked like the, the player we know and love. And I wonder whether it's just this is the situation and scenario for a player like Adam Yu. He's just an absolute pain in the backside to play against. That's... And they absolutely, um, they did consider pooing their pants. Oh, it was a free old draw last year. Right. But Sorry, that was that was back in April, and yeah, we were pretty much. Um, I'm going to look at the where the goals came. Media information, yeah. <coughs> I, I, I seem to remember as being at least two goals down. It could have been three goals. It's uh, also I was there for the last time Wednesday won against Preston. That was um, New Year's Eve 2011, and there were two there were goals from Danny Bart and uh, Ben Marshall. Oh, perhaps I was. I don't know if I was there too, but um, I think uh, you weren't for some reason. Uh, but um, but New You and Reach both showed why they should have been a a big part of the, the game against Millwall because they both did. They were both as advertised. So Reach provided a cross <laughs> of brilliant quality um for for Stephen Fletcher to score, and New You just caused loads of headaches. Meant that they had to move themselves around defensively in a way that they just didn't have to before. Um, but unfortunately, it was all a bit too little, too late. Yep, very much so. Even then, we had chances. I, I think. Uh, well, I think after that, there was a chance. Did it fall for. I think it fell for Harris. There was a chance that kind of built up, and there was a volley for Harris, which he put over. Oh, yeah, way, and way over. It felt like if it, we went in at that momentum, if he absolutely nailed that volley, yeah. then that would. That was the moment which we were really just absolutely cooking with momentum. 
Yes, and I think Werner had a couple of decent chances heading-wise as well that maybe he could have done a little bit better with. Mm. Uh, he seems to he seems to attack the ball well. I don't know how good he is at sort of aiming it, unfortunately, <laughs> but he's definitely got he's got a bit of that um, reader Johnson thing that he he's desperate to get the ball, which is good. Uh, in and of itself, um, even if he doesn't quite have the the quality, maybe when he gets there, but maybe that will come. Um, so, in terms of uh, there was also there was a handball uh, which was pretty clear from Johnson, the guy who'd scored their two penalties in the yeah. Box. I, mean, I would have thought if he'd given two penalties, not you know, and they're also pretty stonewall penalties. Oh, definitely. I wondered, I wondered whether there'd still be a hint of that small. I could even things up a little bit here. Yeah. And I was surprised it wasn't given for that reason. It, it was one of the clearer. There's absolutely no need for your hand to be up in the air like his was. Uh, mm. It wasn't really going anywhere, which is the only thing you could say. But that doesn't count anywhere else on the pitch. So why should it count in the penalty box? Yeah. Um, so my one of my, so as I said, I sort of came away wondering: Has Bullen ever turned a game around? Which he hasn't. Um, tactically, it's interesting. He reminds me a little bit of uh, the first season under Carlos, where if anybody is sort of daft enough to attack us, we'll we'll sort of make hay on the on the counter. But oh. we struggle to to be the the ones kind of carrying the hammer we we don't seem to be able to take it to teams in quite the same way so i i remember one of the marked things under carlos is we tend to win a game if we had just 30 or 35 percent of the ball but games where we had 60 or 70 percent of the ball we would generally lose or draw and it it feels like we're a little bit like that again so we can hurt you on the counter but if you get a goal against us we're going to really struggle because you can just sit in and you're not going to leave the gaps for us. Yeah. Um, the other thing I do wonder is <laughs> there was some talk. I, I don't know whether there's anything in it, but I know um, Allardyce was uh, Sam Allardyce was uh, one of the, the commentators on the Liverpool um, Arsenal game. Um, and there was then some talk about, whether he might be interested in coming back to management, you know, whether he's looking at roles. And I think he was linked to the Wednesday, uh, you know, the vacant manager's slot for, for in some of the talk afterwards. But I did think looking at the way, looking at the way we tend to play, I wonder if we're not a million miles away from Allardyce's Bolton team. We nearly always go long. Like we're all Fletcher is that center point, so mm. the distribution from the back is is near, and and actually Bannon and and Hodge, it's nearly always high balls forward, uh, and it was under Yos as well. We we were sort of seventy some percent of our passes were long passes forward. That's something that's maintained. We've got, mm. but, but what. Allardyce's teams had was players in the midfield so if ever dropped in the midfield they had some good football players in there and we've got that too but it's like we bypass them almost always in our in our attacking we go straight over the top of them to 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 Fletcher um I just wonder how I just wonder how long people will be patient with that fairly direct style of play if we have more frustrating games like this I don't know it's just a it was just a um amusing well I, I think i know it in the previous game that we didn't do much play from the back up into yeah. the middle 
So not that sometimes I think also we did a level under a lot of Yoss. Yeah. And it wasn't particularly charming or no. good idea. We just we had a, a real knack of inviting a whole wealth of pressure on ourselves and it, it just turned into some of that uh, negative playmaking that uh, we know and not love at Sheffield Wednesday. Yes. Yes. So yeah, and I, and then also then it it seems to work quite a bit for us just playing up for for Fletcher. You know, we've yeah. had a few good moments of some really good. Um, I know, obviously, previously you've been critical of um, Kieran Westwood's kicking, but he's had some really good kicking up to top to top. Yes, I think Fletcher's a good the sort of front man that makes kicking look good as well. But yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> like a like a, a wrestler selling a punch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, it's just. I suppose there's nothing more to it really than just a, a kind of observation um, that we're, we're possibly not a long way from that. Um, do we want to do player ratings or, or sure? I think it'll probably be um, for me, for my turn at least, it'll probably be a shorter one than in uh, previous history. Well, I wonder whether rather than, you know, last week we spent a lot of time going over the, the failings in a, in a loss. Um, I wonder if maybe it'd be better just to maybe pick out Obviously, Odebajo had a had a, a horror show of a performance. He uh, did, and um, the note I've put down for Moses Odebajo is, is saying, "Last we will see of him for a while." And I don't mean that in you know I I did I did appreciate from Bull and him coming out in the press saying afterwards said you know we've got a player in the changing room who knows he's let us down and we don't you know we win and we win together we lose together yeah. that type of mentality and I was really happy to see that. Um, but for the sake of him, I mean, I would also wonder how much level of confidence he would have for this. I'd also like to add that. So what Abadjo started, he did, he did, um, he had a slow start. He made an error for the, um, he made an error for the sending off for Westwood. Yeah. Um, he's had, since then, he had a bit of a slow start, but he was, I saw that he was getting better. So I didn't think, and then I thought it was a little bit harsh when he, he was dropped for Iorfa. <laughs> I also was seemingly picked for the game against Millwall for a bit more of a physicality. And then for whatever reason, Bullen thought that didn't work. So I also was hauled off at half time, which was impeccably harsh. Well, I also wonder how that makes you feel as Odebadjo. So you win two games, one of them, the second of them being keeping a clean sheet. Yeah. You get, you get replaced and the guy who replaces you gets taken off at half time. So, oh, lo and behold, we're back to you again. But that probably doesn't make you feel pretty, you know, very good because it's like, oh, well, that guy's the first choice and he's so bad he didn't even make it till the 46th minute. Like, where does that leave Adebacho in terms of yeah, his, his sort but of again, state? But was he, but was he though? Because uh, I also wasn't bad. He was just a little bit quiet. In his first so he, was the guy, he was the guy that was sacrificed. We talked about that a, a halftime substitution tends to be a significant thing. It's it's a statement, isn't it? It's not just a, a change. It's not like any other change. It is, unless unless Bullen's like cultivating in a way that presents it otherwise. He looks to me like he's not got much confidence. And Ayofa or Adabajo? Adabajo. Because um, so here's the thing. So. But we, you know, I talked about having a large squad, and then that's an issue when players are fully fit. But the good situation we have right now is, if it doesn't work, we have options to see the change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I definitely think that I would, you know, I would 
start with Iorfa. I, I still think well, he's, he's got the question yeah. as to who's going to be the left back. Um, Morgan Fox, I think, did very well. You know, I I do get a little bit sick of hearing about, you know, not that I'm at games, but I heard about Luton. His name was booed when it was read, you know, announced the, the, the team, which is just terrible. But also I'd like to say that <laughs> probably I've probably carried a similar amount of sentiment for Morgan Fox in the past. But I think the last, I don't know, I think the last kind of six, eight, nine months of Morgan Fox have been decent. Yeah, yeah. I just the end of last season, he was very good. Um, I have no qualms with him being at left back. I think he's a player that the fans forget about, and I know there's been a lot of argument. There's a lot of people mentioning, you know, in terms of like strengthening numbers. Do we need another left back? I mean, you can probably say we need another left back if you're going down the route and the avenue of saying that. Sure, we need to like improve all players. <coughs> yeah. You know, and some players are better in certain positions than others. But then, you know, we could play that game all day. You know, me and you could talk about, let's get an experienced keeper to back up Westwood. You know, let's get, um, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, I just, I can't understand that mentality of, of booing a player before the match starts. Who does it help? Do you know what I mean? And and like what we were yeah. talking about yesterday, uh, not yesterday, sorry. <laughs> Seems like yesterday. What we were talking about last week in terms of um, Luongo and, and Rhodes not, not, not having a particular impact on the game. I don't, it's not their fault that they were picked and put in that position. Like they are just professional footballers who are at Sheffield Wednesday. So I think with Fox at the moment, there's also that thing that, you know, Liam Palmer is the local lad and is he keeping him out of the the team kind of thing those question marks but at the end of the day it's not morgan fox's fault he's been picked ahead of another player or mm. it turns out actually palmer was injured you know those sort of things i just yeah don't, it, it's not helpful support them to the hill when they're playing for us you can have your question marks afterwards um and by all means, you know, discuss things and it, it, beyond that time. But when they're on the pitch, just just support the team. <laughs> it's not going to make Sheffield Wednesday any better to have Morgan Fox thinking, oh, great, everyone hates me. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> he's, um, he's, good, he's good enough. He's a decent professional. Yeah. He's decent enough at left back. He had a good game yesterday. I guess there's the interesting question. I, I don't know. I don't know in the mentality of football, there's very much, there's, there's often the mentality which we talked about before, um, which was going into that third game last week against Millwall. The whole question about whether you change starting lineups, change a winning 11. Yeah. And there's more of a focus on that about, I know there's a lot to be said about a settled back five, you know, a defense that plays with each other regularly. So, you know, but then, you know, in that regards, then Iorfa came in. And, you know, he's probably lacking a bit of sharpness. He's probably lacking a few minutes. He he was also the, the one that was supposed to be marking Smith at the corner. Yeah, I know. But I just, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still. I know, I know. I'm still. I, but this is the thing. So settled back fives. But I, I think within every right, I still think that if you approach it the right way, I still feel that if there's basically errors made from defenders, that leads to goals. I think you're within your rights to keep changing it until you get something that works. And then you're going to have to change a lineup because of injuries. I mean, yeah, no one would have thought, you know, we see Fox starting. Your first thoughts are basically, I take it Palmer's injured. Yeah. 
that settled back five or settled starting 11, it sort of presumes that there's something magical that when, if you sprinkle time on any combination of five or 11 players, they suddenly become really good. In the same way that Alex Ferguson gets held out as the example, every time a team wants to get rid of a manager, people go, oh, but Alex Ferguson was nearly sacked that FA Cup game. You're like, but that then is like, so do you honestly think that every manager plus time equals Alex Ferguson? Because that is crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got to find the right five, the right 11 before you settle on them. It's not just a case of going, well, these are the 11 we picked. So uh, we're stuck with it because you know what it's like. Keep a settled 11. We've definitely had times where we've had runs of good results where... um Actually, there's clearly things that aren't working and being tied to keeping and keeping the same 11 has has kind of you. So you're almost waiting for the loss so that you can actually make the changes that need to happen. We've definitely been in those positions as well. It's tr- it's tricky. Um, d- d- so did anybody else have a I didn't think anybody else had a particularly bad game. I think that's the tricky thing is we, we lost, but we didn't play badly uh how do you feel about i think the candidates the, the candidates for the, the the next two kind of bad players i'd probably say murphy yeah he didn't do very much um but i'm, I'm wondering with murphy whether it's like we will get moments of brilliance from murphy or, or not quite moments of brilliance just moments of goodness <laughs> moments of <laughs> moments of good momentary goodness momentary good um but he will be like soft and he will be a little bit lightweight at times you know he's really the the starring show the starring light within that kind of front three has been kadeem harris all day long um but that to me is so i did you think did you think lees was a little bit under the par today yesterday I think Lees was probably the weakest link, other than Odebadjo in the in the back four. Um, I don't think. Would you? Would you give him five? Five? It's a bit harsh, I think. Because I think a lot of the team were at sixes. I think it's yeah. a, it's a real it's a real six out of ten. It's a Absolutely. real football. It's a real football manager six out of ten performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I was going to say though is I think to be fair to Murphy. We also didn't see very much out of Harris this game. Um, and I think that's because Preston set up in a way to to not give, not let them get into the game. So I th- I think we, ne- we need to find a way of managing the team that lets us get the best out of our most, our sort of most um, devastating talents. Like those, you're absolutely right, much more Harris than Murphy, but both of them are very fast and can hurt teams. And the way that Preston managed the game against us just meant we didn't, there wasn't spaces in behind for them. There wasn't the flick-ons. So we need to find a way to work those guys into games when the the opposition set up to neutralise them. And at the moment, it doesn't feel like we know what that looks like. And I don't, to be honest. I'm not going to profess to be any kind of tactical genius. Um, my football manager routine is... Uh, tending to get a, a kind of four four two together and uh you know sign the players that makes that work. <laughs> I don't like to change very much at all. Um but I don't know how we I don't know how you make that happen, but it just felt like we didn't know how to make that happen yesterday. We didn't know how to get the best out of the team that we had on the pitch. 
and Preston knew how to make life hard for us. Yeah. How did you um, think about the, what did you think about the substitutions? Uh, I could see why. Sorry, go on. I guess as players, not like, I I think because that's the question about bullying. How did they do rather than, yeah, how did they do rather than who they were? Um, I thought Forestieri looked bright enough. Um, I thought Reach looked great when he came on. And I thought Nuyu looked absolutely like, that's the sort of Nuyu that, you want to have as an option at least on on the bench but definitely in your squad um cuz he really he 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 roughed them up he turned them round he, he um was pretty unlucky not to produce a, a goal or two from his from his efforts um there was one that Forestieri nearly nearly poked through to him or Fletcher that that uh, it was you know even with the two of them in there slightly um <laughs> sporadic shooting quality um you would have expected it to probably result in a goal if it if it had sneaked past the defender's foot so i i thought they all did they all did all right they they all probably did better than the people that they replaced certainly with the (laughs) adabacho but um forestieri was a bit more (laughs) a bit more like the forestieri we want Mm. yes He was playing in the middle, which is his preference as well. Mm. Um, I just, yeah. I, I, I'm already just doing the weird calculation. So we, uh, I, I don't know about the formations and what happened formation-wise. It just seems madness. Yeah. Well, basically what happened was Forestieri became the, the top of that three in the middle and Lee was supposed to be playing right wing. But what actually happened was Lee wandered about and did Kieran Lee and Forestieri kind of played like a second striker. Right. There just there still seems to be a lacking a great deal of kind of, you know, the thing I loved about the times, the real honey to the soup, uh, Carvajal times, <laughs> just the players moving around and the sense of connections yeah. between players. Like this is it. We There just seems to be so many stranded, isolated players. In different parts of that attacking third, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, attacking half, I should say, really, just anything above getting into the press and half. It's just so disjointed. They and kept I, Preston kept a, an, an extremely high line against us, but they pressured us in a way that we just couldn't sort of find any quality out from the back, which seems strange to think we had both Hutchinson and Bannon there. I think mm. it was it was a it was a strange performance. Because I thought, you know, which is it, why, I, yeah, Sorry. they didn't give. They, I think they stifled Bannon very effectively. He really had to work very hard to find any pockets of space. But that should mean that other players have got more room. Yeah, it just didn't for some reason. And we seem to be a lot more kind of fortuitous and uh, better with the long balls to Fletcher, and then you know players picking up the second balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strange one. Weird game. Um. So if you so have to pick a. Uh, a Wednesday man of the match or, or a candidate or two, who who would you, who would you go? I, I would actually say Harris. I know you said that we didn't, you felt, I thought we saw enough from Harris that was good enough. I think it's relative, what, isn't it? Yeah. It's relative so. to what, I think I was saying it relative to how he's been in other games, which we've sort of set, that uh, I've sort of personally touched on a, a sort of unsustainably good start he's had. Um, no, he was he was once again one of you know absolutely yeah one of our better players. I think he looks like a real star. 
Um, but for for him on on the the high standards he set himself, one of his quieter games, even though he's sure. really good. But I I feel like the end of the season will be basically saying who was the question of who is the who is a player of the season will also be which one of the three is the was his best free signing, yeah. which is obviously between Bona and Harris. They're both yeah. So there are my two sevens, I think, in a, in a game of sixes and one or two fives. Yeah. Actually, I gave Odebajo a three. I was just an absolute, absolute stinker. <laughs> absolute stinker. Oh, it's poor. Yeah, but it really is between Borna and Harris for Man of a Match. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I thought I thought New You looked so good when he came on, but he didn't have enough time to, to really make anything... I'm surprised we didn't get the penalty when he was essentially nearly kicked to the ground when he had that that brilliant run he where never, he just lay in. He gets those though, does he? No, I guess not. But I thought that was a foul. I'm like, I, I was surprised that wasn't given. It's like a weird form. No, racism is not the word, but uh, <laughs> like a sizeist thing. Because I, I always happened to Peter Crouch as well. It's like if you're a, if you're above six foot five and a centre forward, you enter this sort of parallel parallel universe where you can only foul and you can never be fouled yes yep it's so strange because things happen to Ati Nuru on the football pitch that no other player would ever get you know whatever it would ever be a question of whether it was a foul or not exactly so it becomes an element of like oh he can take it because of size which isn't isn't <laughs> this isn't what it's a foul should be rules of football, is it no it's not like <laughs> if a, if a you know, if I don't know, if if James O'Connor lightly grazed Nikola Zigic, you know, I'm trying to think of some kind of height perspective. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like no, there's you know, no bounds for that in the rules. Yeah, yeah, there's not. Yeah, so um, a penalty may be may be awarded for in, impediment to a, a clear goal scoring opportunity, and then clause A of that of that rule is unless you're a big lad, you know? unless you're a big lad, in which case. <laughs> In which case, you can take it, you lanky twat. Exactly. What's the weather like up there? (laughs) (laughs) Open bracket, open bracket, we all hate you because you're tall. I bet bet you don't struggle with the opposite sex. I bet women want to climb you like like a mountain, like Jason Momoa. Something about shoe size. Yeah, I bet you've got a big wang. <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if uh, I tried to kind of put across um, the world's ire against tall people, but maybe a little bit of my own ire against tall people came in there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I fully feel it when it's other tall players against us. Um, but, but I feel very protective of uh, of, of Atty New Year. The big lummox that he is. Um, so there you oh. go. Bit of a frustrating day at the office. It's mm. it's another one of those where had we scored like five minutes earlier even, we might well have got something as well. It's just, as you sort of touched on, the momentum is so important in those sort of games. It's it's always frustrating when we've done basically nothing for 80 minutes of, of the 90 and then for 10 minutes we look like absolute world beaters and you're just like, why aren't... Why couldn't we do this at any stage previously? Mm. 
It's it's always frustrating when that happens, but it happens all the time. We've been the other side of that so often as well, where it just looked like we could do whatever we liked, and then they get some little. Sometimes it's just a tiny thing, like a tackle or you know, fifty-fifty goes your way, and the momentum's just swung entirely, and their crowds up, and we become nervous. It's a fun game. It's a fun game. Um, do you have any other? Any other thoughts for today? Do we want to talk a bit about Bullen and the role? Or I, just, just... I, I thought that was that was it. We seem to, while we're doing, you yeah, know, for players, and it it does end up a lot of the time looking, you know, towards Lee Bullen. And uh, yeah, I'm wondering how this kind of fares in his uh, in the confidence of Wednesdayites that he is the man for the job. How we feel about him, all this stuff. All this stuff kind of comes to mind. Maybe, as, as we touched on, the part of the answer is getting enough support there to, that we've actually got coaching staff to do everything. Um, I think that's good coaches can see their weaknesses and they can they can bring people in that fill the gaps for them. Uh, probably goes for all sorts of jobs. In fact, you know, good managers are people that know actually that they've got a there's a limit to their skill set and in certain areas they're deficient and they need support in those areas um because that was the thing with Sturrock who was a uh, a striker himself he knew that the kind of dark arts of defending were not things that he had was steeped in in quite the same way so he had he had defensive coaches to 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 see us through that side of things um so it's what it's whether there's generic coaches that can come in and and fill those gaps or whether bully's more involved and actually is able to go well. Actually, if I'm going to do this job, I need some help here. Mm. But again, we're not really buoyed by tactics and substitutions. Right? No. But then, in some ways, we've had a good start. We've had the best start for quite some years. I know. I know. It's it's my my worry is our wins have been against teams that everybody's going to beat or most people are going to beat. Yeah. I think we'll know a lot more. We've got a harder run coming up, haven't we? Including playing Leeds. Um, we'll know a lot more the other side of that, but then in some ways there's a big chunk of the season gone. And if, if we find out actually we don't want to, uh, we do need to make that change, then uh, it might be a bit too late to make that change. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Huddersfield, Fulham, Borough, Hull, Wigan. It, it gets a lot harder um, after the international break. I think that's uh, fair, fair to say. And we've got an interesting, um, you know, the calling, not the Carling Cup, the Carabao Cup now. Yes. Different Carabao. Everyone's favourite energy drink, Carabao. Isn't it Elevate? <laughs> yes. Coming soon. Coming soon. With D-Taxis. Yes. The, the, uh, the case of uh, Elevate will be delivered in the back of a D-Taxi. Oh. Lovely. And on that day, our Lord and Saviour, Gary Megson, will come back <laughs> to lead us to the promised land. I love it. You know, there's a, a series of... Um, smutty um smutty videos <laughs> called called fake taxi yeah all right isn't it isn't it funny that nothing's been done around um none of, i've i've seen one or two of those and none of them have have anything to do with d taxis that is funny that's weird because that, that would be the fakest taxi i can think of <laughs> i think it's a legitimate company and um definitely <laughs> Definitely provided, um, you know, paid sponsorship at a, at a, at a rate, um, you know, which was which was cognizant of the market at the time. So I don't think I think you shouldn't probe too much on these things, you know, Luke. Okay, I'll uh, get back to my book. 
apologies to uh, the fine people it's it's uh, D-Taxis. D-Taxis, yes. Each and every one of them. I want to give a shout out to um, to the to Dave and Carol at uh, Elevate. Thank you for the shipment of delicious Elevate drinks. Oh, it's We've all been enjoying it at the Year Round Network. And even Alman Abdi had a few and said, you know, I feel I could uh, almost uh, play football again. Yeah, he could almost do the, uh, the sort of warm-up jog up and down the side of the pitch. And then the the guy we the striker we signed from Cardiff on loan who played 13 minutes. He had one and he said if the fans would have one of these then they could remember my name. <laughs> but I only had like a little bit of one like a taste. Yeah. So I, I still can't remember who he is. Yeah. No, you you, you just got a little sniff of of, of of it. You didn't get a didn't get a full is it a capful you had? A capful. Actually, I'm just going to take a little. I'm going to. I actually have some here, Rich. So just give me a second. <laughs> glug, 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 glug. I remember it's Warren Feeney. There we Warren go. Feeney. <laughs> Everyone's favourite guy Everyone's from Cardiff. Favorite guy from Cardiff who played for 13 minutes. Ooh yeah. I love the people that had like fairly disappointing games, but but over time their 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 sort of influence and ability grew and grew. Like Ben Sahar was one of those. And um Oh Ben Sahar. Yeah, Bartos Luzarski as well. I love Bartos Luzarski, he was great. <laughs> that one goal he scored against Blackpool. Exactly, but like over time, ah, oh, one day Bart's gonna come back. We were linked with him for like the next eight transfer windows. And I remember like someone on the Owls talk saying he reminded me of uh, a Mr. David Hurst. They both played football, and they're both humans. <laughs> oh well, I think uh, I think we can wrap things up. Oh, sounds good. Um, I just wanted to uh, on this. Special day. I wanted to uh, send our different gravy congratulations to little Billy Stokes for doing a cricket. Rich, um, I give it. I just you can't just go in and talk about cricket, something you don't know about. <laughs> what are you? What are you doing? Just, well, I just wanted to give him a match rating of a full one hundred and eighty. Oh, Rich, what you doing? Oh, not this again. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, cheerio everyone. <laughs> <See you. laughs>